and you all need to be sitting for this question. So, all right, so this is the question. Are you ready? Everyone sitting? Not yet, not yet. Uh, my question for you is this, okay? How many people here, and be honest, and we're going to have like, you can clap. It's, it's cool to clap in church, and you can even clap loud if you agree with this. So I haven't asked you anything yet, so not yet. How many people here are Red Sox fans? All right. Pretend that you're actually in Fenway, and I like stood up and on the you know announcement I said, "How many Red Sox fans are here?" Would what would your response be? All right, that was a little bit more enthusiastic. Now I'm going to guess that just most of us, by default, even if you don't like baseball, you live in Boston. It's hard not to live in Boston and like the Red Sox, like our sports team. It's a great sports city. Um, I like the Red Sox. It's, you know, obviously they're having a, an interesting start to this year. Uh, but you know what? There's like 500 games left this year. So my follow-up question would be, what if the Red Sox, say there's 20, I don't know how many players are on the team. Say there's 20 players. All 20 players came, held a press conference, and they said to Red Sox Nation, hey, Red Sox Nation in Boston, around the world, we just want you to know that hey, we just, we love baseball. It's, we just kind of do this because it's fun. Uh, we're not really interested in winning per se. We just, we're a bunch of guys that we grew up and we like playing catch and we just like playing catch and we like kind of hitting the ball around. So, you know, lighten up a little bit on this whole winning and losing because all 20 of us, we're just, we're just here, have, have fun. Who cares if we win? Who cares if we lose? It's just about having fun. How many people here, and you don't have to say anything, would still be a huge, diehard fan of the Red Sox. You'd still give your money to go see them play. You'd still give your time in watching them on the television. I'm going to venture to say that most of us, if their attitude was, we're just here to kind of have fun, we're just kind of buddies playing a sport, leave us alone, I don't think many of us would be all that excited about rooting for the Red Sox. I think our stance as it relates to the Red Sox is we want them to do anything and everything within their means to win. So we don't care what it is, work hard, play hard, rest hard, do whatever you need to do in order to win. I think most of us would say that's what we want their approach to be. So hypothetically, if a guy should be resting and ailing back and he goes to play golf, well, that's probably not the best use of his time. We want that guy to be getting healthy. Why? All things, by all means necessary, all means possible, in order that they would win some games. That's the bottom line. Now, we kind of get this with the Red Sox, right? We want them to win. My bigger question that uh, I have for you, for us uh, today, is we know what we want from them. We want them to win, okay? We're not confused about that. What is it that you think God wants from you, okay? Question is, I don't think a simple question, I think it's a pretty profound question of, what is it that you really think God wants from you? We're not confused as to what we'd want from something as simple as a baseball team. I have to believe it's a good chance that God knows exactly what it is he wants for us. From you, for this community, what is it that God really wants? Uh, I'm going to pray, and we're going to walk through that question today. I'm going to look at uh, some verses from Corinthians, uh, looking at the Apostle Paul, 
But this is the big question of what is it that God wants for you? What is it that God wants for us? Heavenly Father, thanks for an opportunity like this to gather on Mother's Day. Again, we love our moms. We're thankful for them. Ask that you'd bless them. Uh, But God, today, in this time, in this space, in this hour, uh, would you speak? God, I don't know where everyone in this room is as they relate to you, but you do. And I just ask, God, that you would do an awesome thing and allow us to hear your voice today. God, just by your spirit at work, would you speak? Uh, God, as we would look at Scripture, which we know is is living, it's active, and it can just speak to the heart and soul of every one of us. God, would you give us a heart to hear you and to receive everything that you have for us today? God, I pray that none of us today would leave here confused as to the answer of this question of what is it, God, that you want for us? God, what it is you want for our community? Uh, So God, please uh, just bless. We pray that Jesus uh, in your name. Amen. Uh, that's the question. What is it that God wants for you? What is it that God wants for us collectively as a church community? Um, I know for me personally, I don't want to be the guy who misses it. I don't want to be the guy who missed the point. I don't want to get towards the end of my life to the end of my life saying, man, I totally missed it. I made my life much to do about nothing. I made my life much to do about me or what I wanted. If God has something for me, I want to know what that is, because I just don't want to be that guy who gets to the end and misses it. And I would hope that would be true for you, that if you're here today, I believe God brought you here for a reason. And I believe God brought you here for the very reason of he wants you to have an answer to this question of what is it that God really wants for me? Now, it's safe to say it's not the first time you've maybe asked this question. This is not a new question that's never been asked or no one ever thought about. But I think as we think about a question like this, what does God want for me? We usually think about it in a micro way or in a circumstantial way. Because I've met with a lot of people and they're trying to answer this question of, well, what does God want for me as it relates to where I'm going to live this year? Or what job I'm going to have this year? Or if I should leave my job or stay at my job? Or should I ask this guy out for a date or this woman out? Should I put a ring on her finger? And we're asking God, what do you want from me in the circumstances of my life? Now, I'm not saying that's bad. And I honestly believe God has answers for those questions of what does God want for us in the circumstances of our life? But today, I'm asking more of a macro question. Big picture, what is it that God wants from you, for you? Because if you don't have an answer to that question, then on a micro level, you'll miss the point in everything. You'll make decisions based on I'm not sure what, just what seemed best to you at the time, rather than having your decisions made by, I know what it is that God wants for me. And because I know that, I've got a conviction about that. I've got a passion about that. Because I know that, it's informing any and every decision that I am making. So here you go. What is it that God wants for you? I'm going to share two things. Keep it super simple. What is it that God wants for you? Number one is this. He wants to have a relationship with you. Now, some of you, you're like, total letdown. I was like expecting something I've never heard before. I know that, Michael. I've, I've kind of heard someone share that before. I've heard that my entire life. So it might not be new news to you, but I want this to be amazing news. 
They call it the gospel or good news. As I've been thinking about this for a while, it is absolutely mind-boggling, blow-me-away amazing that the God of the universe, the sustainer of all things, the one who created you and me, created everything, wants to have a relationship with me. That should just absolutely blow your mind that of 7 billion people on this planet and the God who created it all, holds it all together, God of the universe, of all things, he wants to have a relationship with you. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that just, it, I hope when you hear that, it's not old news. It's news that continually just is absolutely mind-boggling. Now, what I love about this news, this truth, this reality that God wants to have a relationship with you uh, is I love how God made that possible. Can you imagine if God laid it out and said, hey, you humans, I want you to have a relationship with me. And in order for you to have a relationship with me, you're going to need to jump through so many different hoops. And when I think you've passed each of those hoops test, and when I think you've done good enough, been you know, spiritual enough, religious enough, then maybe, just maybe, I'll have a relationship with you. But you keep working on it. You keep jumping through the be a moral person, be a good person, be a religious person, be a spiritual person. And then at the end of the day, I'll see how you fared. That would be depressing. That would lead me personally to despair because I'd always be wondering, God, did I do enough? Did I jump through that hope the way you wanted me to? Did I do it quick? Did I do it right? Did it... But the beauty of this amazing truth of what God wants for you is he wants to have a relationship with you, and he made that absolutely possible, not by having you jump through hoops, not by having you work for it, perform for it, or try to attain it. He sent his son, Jesus. And those who place their faith in Jesus, that's it. Because why? Well, Jesus did it all. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection is what makes us right with God. Not because I was good enough, not because I did enough, but because my faith was in Jesus who did it all. And so relationship with God is an absolute gift to us because he made it possible by placing our faith in Jesus. So how about this? If you're here today and you're in a place where you're just trying to figure God out and see how, how you can relate with God, I hope you're hearing this and you're like, wow, God wants to have a relationship with me. That's amazing. Because I know me and I know me pretty well. And I know how me can be pretty ugly a lot of the time. Pretty prideful, pretty arrogant, pretty stubborn, pretty rebellious. And I know that of me. And if I know that of me, I'm pretty certain God knows that of me too. And it's amazing that God, knowing me and despite me being me, still says, I love you and I want to have a relationship. Place your faith in my son. And because of Christ, we're made right with God. We have peace with God. All has been forgiven because of Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, guess why you're here today? Because God wants you to become a Christian. Because God wanted you on this day, Sunday, May 13th, 2012, at roughly 1140, he wanted you to hear someone tell you that the creator of all, sustainer of all, the God of the heavens and the earth wants to have a relationship with you. Not because you've done something to earn it, merit that relationship, been good enough, but because he loves you and he wants to have a relationship. 
And when I know at a macro level, that's what God wants for me, is that I would have a relationship with him. It then informs everything else about my life. And if I miss that, then everything else, I go in a different direction because I miss the most important thing. So, number one, what does God want for you? He wants a relationship with you. So my question is simple. Do you have a relationship with God? Not because you were spiritual, came to church, read your Bible, gave some money, served on occasion, but do you have a relationship with God that's based on Jesus and Jesus alone? Because if it's not based on Jesus and Jesus alone, you don't have a relationship with God. You have a relationship with yourself, specifically with your works or with your performance or your accomplishments. So it's not Jesus plus works equals relationship with God. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So that's number one. What does God want for you? For his church, he wants us to have a relationship with him. Now, what's next? What's next? If we have a relationship with God, is that it? Does it just stop there? Or does God have more? Does God have something different for us? Now, I don't know if you paid attention to the news. Um, I guess it was maybe a few months ago. Uh, there was this little lottery uh, they hosted, and there was like six, seven hundred million dollars. Uh, you pay a dollar and get a ticket, and you get like a one in seven trillion chances of winning. Now, I don't know who won. Uh, I don't know if it was one person or many people, but hypothetically, say it was just one person, and they won the the six, seven hundred million dollar jackpot. Amazing, right? Absolutely amazing. And they won it. Now, can you imagine if that person had the winning ticket, the right numbers, and they did nothing with it? They discovered, they knew that they had won it all. It was all theirs for their taking. They just needed to turn their ticket in to the authorities who take care of that kind of stuff. Can you imagine if they did nothing with it, sat on the winning ticket, did nothing? I think most of us would think, well, that's just absurd. How could you sit on something in our minds that's so much and do nothing with it? Now, by no means is this the perfect analogy or comparison, but to think to ourselves, well, I got it. Relationship with God, that's it. You would be like the person who had the winning ticket and did absolutely nothing with it. God says, once you have a relationship with me, I have so much more for you. And this is what I want to spend the remainder of our time on. What is it that God wants for you? If you've established that you have a relationship with him, what then? What does my life look like? I'm going to look at uh, the Apostle Paul as a great example uh, because in word and also in deed, he answers this question for us. I'm going to read a few verses uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll have it up on the screen. You can follow along. Um, but this is the Apostle Paul, and it's really interesting with Paul. He used to be a guy that absolutely hated Christians, persecuted Christians to the point of killing them. So this is the guy that you think would be the least likely candidate to actually be telling us, or anyone for that matter, what God wants for you. But this man had such a radical, transforming moment with Jesus, it just shaped everything. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many people, to win as many as possible. 
Now, I'm going to kind of exaggerate some of the language to kind of give you a clue as to what the answer is of what God wants for us. So let me try again. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Verse 21, those, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. And to the weak, I became weak. Why? To win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might win slash save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Awesome. Some of my most favorite verses in all of the New Testament. And if you didn't catch it, what is it that God wants for you? What is it that God wants for us? And this is universal answer. This is not just true for me and it's not gonna be true for you. Truth number one, God wants to have a relationship with you. He made it possible through Jesus. Truth number two, God wants to use you to win those who don't know God to God. That's amazing. If it wasn't amazing enough that God even wants to have a relationship with me, the fact that God would want to use me to win someone else to God, to have a relationship with God, is, is humbling and it's amazing. And so those are the two things. What does God want for you? You could walk out now saying, I know. I know what God wants for me. I know what I am to give my life to. Anything else would just be settling. To know your creator and to be used by your creator to win other people to a relationship with him. This is what God wants for us. Now, I think some people would say, you know, I really like the idea of a relationship with God, but I kind of like just keeping it there. I, I like me and God, but this is, this is my thing. It's a personal thing. I don't want to have to be used by God to do anything. Can it just be me and Jesus and that's it? I mean, I, I'll be nice to people. I won't be grumpy and rude, but can it just be me and God? And the answer would be, if you know number one and you have that relationship with God, to ignore or miss what God has for you and wanting to use you your relationship with God will grow stagnant. Some of the people that I know, I'm working with, meeting with, spending time with, Michael, my relationship with God, it just feels so stagnant. Well, do you really want to grow with God? Do you really want to see the activity of God in your life, around your life, through your life? Yeah, that's, I want that. I don't want it just to be stale and stagnant and boring and lame. I want to have a, a relationship that's thriving. Okay, then say yes to God, that you would be used by God to win other people for God. The people that I know in my life that the relationship with God is just flourishing are people who are saying, God, I want to be used by you to win others for you. I look at our leadership team here at Genesis, blown away and just blessed. I look at our elders. I could look at Jeremy Alexander and say, you know what? This guy's not the same. Not because he's locked up in uh, some closet and just reading his Bible a ton, but because he's saying, yes, God, I want to use, be used by you to win other people for you. Say the same thing about Paul Fleming, another elder at this church. 
God, I, I want to be used by you to win other people. And you know what? Those two examples, got, those relationships are flourishing, not because they have some title, but because they get it. Relationship with God, and then to be used by God to win other people for God. Say that of our, our Genesis uh, pastor in South Boston, Brantz. Same deal. He's growing with God because he said, you know, God, I'm going to love South Boston and I'm going to do whatever I possibly can to win as many people in South Boston to relationship with you. I'd say that of our deacons. Look at guys like John Bandai and Kenton. Man, these guys are growing in the relationship with God, not because they're just sitting around in some back closet, kind of hanging out, them and Jesus. They made the commitment to say, Jesus, we want to be used by you to win as many people as we can to relationship with you. So if you're looking to grow beyond a stagnant relationship with God, it's when you finally say, you know, I want to be used by you, God, to win other people uh, to a relationship with you. I'm really thankful, and I just mentioned a few. I look at our entire, entire leadership community, and right now they've got an amazing testimony of we see God at work in our church, we see God at work in our lives, and you ask them the simple question, well, why? How is that possible? They won't point to you and say, well, it's because I'm doing this and I'm doing this and it's doing this in terms of some activity. They would point to you and say, you know what? It's because I want to be used by God to win as many people to God as we can. And that's it. What is it God wants for you? Relationship with you and then for you to be used by him to win people. That's it. Isn't that amazing? That you could go from here today and this is it. So many of us are just bogged down in the details of life and overwhelmed and depressed and anxious and worried and this and that. You could go here today in such great freedom knowing I know what God wants. Relationship and then be used. Be used to be a person, a man or woman who is winning people to God. Now, I want to walk through and do this uh, pretty quickly of how do you do that? If you're here today and you're like, I want to live that life that reflects a man or a woman who is being used by God to win people for God, how do I do that? What does that practically speaking look like? What does that life look like? I'm going to share three things and do it pretty quickly. And we look at the Apostle Paul as an example in the verses that we've already read. Uh, so this is answering the question, if you want to be used by God to win people for God, what does that life really practically day-to-day -day look like? Here's number one. Become a servant to all people. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19 says this. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Isn't that interesting that he says, you know what? I'm free and I have freedom but rather than use my freedom to serve myself or to make much of myself, I'm going to use my actual freedom to say I want to become a slave. That's backwards. Who does that? If you are a slave and you gained your freedom, the first thing you want to do is literally just be free to go do what you want to do. But Paul says, you know what? I'm free. I belong to no man. But I've made myself a slave, and the language uh, here uh, the original language, it's, it's, it's the same, of slave slash servant. I'm using my freedom to actually be a servant to all people. And I love how Paul says, uh, I make myself a slave or a servant to everyone. 
not just the people that look like him, act like him, think like him, hang out with him, not the people that even like him. I make myself a servant to everyone, and everyone means everyone. Even the people that don't look like you, even the people that don't think like you, even the people that don't act like you, even the people that you might not like because they just look funny or smell funny. Paul says, I make myself a servant to everyone. And Paul, why do you do that? Well, because I want to win. I want to win people to God. I just, I so love his heart. I want to win people to a relationship with God. And it starts by saying, I'm going to be the one that's a servant. I use my freedom not to do my own thing, but to do a God thing. And the God thing is to be used by him to win as many people as I can. Now, what's interesting, if you were to read just Corinthians, like the entire letter, uh, Paul, for most of this letter, is always on the defense with the people he's writing to. He's always having to defend his position or his authority because they're just criticizing of who are you to say these things? And Paul, in, when he says, I am free, what he's essentially saying to these people is, listen, I'm here because I love you. I'm here because I want to win you to a relationship with God. I'm not here because you pay me. I'm not here because I'm getting some other benefit out of this. I am free, and I'm using my freedom because there's no paycheck coming to Paul. He actually lived in Corinth, worked a second job to actually pay the bills to support the ministry that he was doing in Corinth. Can you imagine if you went to your boss tomorrow and you said to her or to him, hey, you know what? I've decided this money thing, I don't want it. Actually, I love you so much. I love this company so much. I love the mission so much that I've picked up a second job. I'm going to work a second job to pay the bills, to pay the rent, to take care of the family, but I'm going to give you 50 hours a week. Don't pay me any of it because it's payment enough that I just love you. What do you think your boss would do? Your boss would probably think, I don't know what you did this weekend, but can you talk to everyone else in the company? That wouldn't happen, but this is what Paul is saying. I'm not here because you are giving me something. I'm here because I love you and I want to win you. Win you towards a relationship with God. And it starts by Paul saying, I'm a servant. I'm a servant to all people. Now, practically speaking, if you would do that, if you would take on the posture, the position of a servant to all people, meaning everyone, anyone and everyone, what does that day-to-day look like? Well, here's very quickly a few things of practically speaking, posture, position of a servant in our culture, in our time, in our way looks like this. Number one, you're willing to lose your rights. You would be the person that is not demanding that you get something because you gave something. You're the person that says, you know what? I may have a right to claim this. I may have a right to even get this. I deserve this because I did this. I said this. I went here. But you know what? That's okay. That is okay. 25 people showed up yesterday to help sort and clean and organize and get a 40-foot trailer filled to the brim, so much so that it's now in the conference room. Not one person, I'm not cutting a check to any one of those people tomorrow. And not one of those people will come and be like, uh, Michael, I was here on Saturday. I could have been golfing. I could have been at a game. I could have been sleeping. I could have been somewhere else, but I was here. So I put in eight hours. So where's my, my wage? That won't happen. You know why? 
Because the folks that came yesterday, they said, you know what? I'm not going to claim my right that I work so I get. I just, I want to give because I'm a servant. And what's beautiful about this picture, we're serving people we don't even know who they are. There's going to be five, 600 people who show up to church next Saturday from 10 to noon. Don't have a clue who they are. We don't know their faces, but God does. He knows their face. He knows their story. He knows them. And our heart, lose our rights to serve them. Number two, I would give you this. Willing to lose your rights. Secondly, you would be willing to die to your preferences. This is a hard one for people because we all have preferences. We all like certain things a certain way. And if we can't have things a certain way at a certain time in a certain, well, forget it. I don't want to do it because we have preferences. Now, what's for my position, it happens a lot. There's tons of preferences in the church. We all have preferences of the church. If I asked, polled 100 people here, hey, what would you like? What would you like it to look like? Well, I want it to look like this. I want it to sound like this. I think the band should turn themselves down. I think you should get a different lighting system so it doesn't look like a bar. And I think you should put on a robe or at least put on shoes or maybe don't have holes in your, in your jeans. We all have preferences. But there's got to come a point that says, you know what? I don't really care about my preferences. I care about winning people. I care about winning people. And that will come, as we say, we're a servant to all. And being a servant to all means lose my rights. I'm okay with that. And it, it comes secondly with, you know what? I have preferences, but I'm cool. If God's using us and using this to win people, awesome. It doesn't have to be my way. As long as we're doing the way of trying to win people, then I'm good. Let's Let's get on board with that. That's a really hard one. And I've seen too many people say, you know what? It's not my preference, so I can't be part of it. And they're unwilling to die to their preferences and consequences, they miss out on the mission. They miss out on having a testimony of, you know what? I got to see God at work. I got to see God at work. Thirdly, I'd say this in terms of practically speaking, what does it look like? to be a servant to all. You lose your rights, die to preferences, and number three, you just give sacrificially. You're just that guy, you're just that girl that just, you give sacrificially. Not because you have to, but because you get to. As I kind of think about giving sacrificially, I'm, I'm thinking about it in maybe three different ways of people who just give their time. Case in point yesterday. Could have been a hundred other places, but they gave of their time. It wasn't rocket science what we were doing yesterday. We're wiping down furniture, making it clean, folding clothes so it looks nice when people come. Well, I can give my time to that. For some people, it's literally giving their talents. You know, we, every Sunday, you've got a phenomenal team of, of musicians up here who lead us in worship. And from my perspective, it's powerful, it's engaging, it's good. Well, you know what? They give of not just their time, but their talent because God's just given them a unique voice to sing or some gifts to play, whether it's drums or guitar or keys or bass or whatever it might be. And they're just, I want to give of my talent because why? Well, because God generously gave that to me. I didn't do something to get that. And so I just want to give. And so they do. They come on, on Thursday nights and practice for a few hours. And they come on Sunday morning and get here at 7, 7.30 to run through and practice the songs. And guess what? They do it twice because we have a 9 a.m. service. And they, they, they give of their talent. 
I love that we have people on our creative team who've done a phenomenal job with creative art around here. I love that we have people who are good at graphic design and great at web design and are willing to share their talents so we can use the graphic media arts and the website to get the mission and the message of the gospel out there. Can you imagine if the response was like, oh, hey, I do that from nine to five. I'm not going to do that for the church. Why would I do that for the church? I love that the attitude is, well, I've got a talent and I want to share it. For some, it's time. For some, it's talent. And for some, it's literally treasure. And what I mean by treasure, it's just finances. God's just blessed you in a crazy, crazy way. And you're the man, you're the woman who can just write ridiculously large checks to support the work of ministry flowing through here. You're just that person. You don't give because you're going to get some great tax return. You give just because God's given to you, and you just want to be ridiculously, abundantly, relentlessly generous. What does it mean to be a servant to all? Well, here's some practical things. Willing to lose your rights, rights, willing to die to preferences, and willing to just give sacrificially. Uh. Second thing that I would share of answering the question of what does it look like to live that life that reflects the man or the woman who's just saying, I want to be used by God to win people for God. Well, it's being that servant. And then secondly, I'd say this, it's you'd be a student of all people. You'd be a servant of all people and you'd be a student of all people. Now to be a student puts you in the posture of humility, of I'm the student, I'm the learner. I'm the one who's approaching people as a teacher. And I want to learn from them so I can get to know them. I can have a relationship with them. And my heart in building that relationship with them is that God might use me to win that person to a relationship with God, that that person might see something in my life. They might see joy. They might see peace. They might see someone who's completely free from anxiety and worry and stress and just freaking out all the time. And God might say, you know what? I'm using you in that person's life to model and show a different way. So number one is you'd be a servant. Number two is you would be a student. Practically speaking, I love Paul. Did you catch how he said, you know, to those who were under the law, I became as one under the law. What he's saying is to those who were Jewish, I became Jewish. I, I lived like a Jewish man, and he was a Jewish man, but I, I embraced Jewish ways to win people who were Jewish to the gospel so that they too would see Jesus. He wanted to win the Gentiles, those not having the law. So he learned what it meant to be a Gentile. He learned their customs and their culture. He learned about them. <coughs> Excuse me. And he says, I wanted to win the weak. And so he did what he could to learn what it was and who they were in order to win the weak. So whether you were Jewish or Gentile or weak, Paul's heart was I will be a student of all of these cultures in order to win them. Now, you have to really recognize, and you might not be familiar with it, but there's a big difference between a Jewish person and a Gentile person. Like, totally different worlds. It's like Ohio State and Michigan. It's like Chipotle and Cadoba. It's like Red Sox and Yankees. Like, two totally different mindsets, different cultures, different worlds. And Paul's heart is, you know what? If I got to learn and embrace Jewish ways in order to win Jewish people to Jesus, so be it. If I learn and understand and, 
and seek to understand Gentile ways so I can win Gentiles to Jesus, I will. For me, this is what it would look like. If there's someone from Michigan, then I'm going to love them, and I'm going to reach out to them, and I'm going to serve them, and I'm going to embrace them. Why? Because I want to win them. If someone said, Michael, I'm totally, I want to talk to you and meet you and ask you all sorts of questions about God, but we got to meet at Cadoba, awesome. I'll go to Cadoba. My preference would be Chipotle, but I'll go there. Why? Because I just want to win that person. So practically speaking, how do you be a student? How do you be a student to all people? Well, learn to ask questions. Now, you might peg me as the guy, well, Michael, that's just you. You like to ask questions. I love to ask questions. I don't like to ask. I love it. I love trying to understand people and learn from people. Be that person. If you're going to be a student, I know sometimes students can annoy teachers by asking so many questions, but at the end of the day, someone who's asking questions, I just want to learn. I met with someone this past weekend, and they're like, and I said to them, man, I've been so excited to meet with you. Never been able to hang out with you one-on-one. I'm just so excited to kind of hear your story. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you know, your story and kind of where you come from and your family and, you know, how you grew up and why? Why would you? No one's ever asked me that. I want to be the guy that's a student and asking people questions about who they are and where they've come from and what they value and why they value that. I, a second way you can be a student is learn to make observations. Hey, notice that you spend a lot of time doing that. Or I notice you spend a lot of energy or a lot of your conversation is about this and make observation. Is that something that you value? Being a student means that you learn to listen. You're not just the guy that's always talking and talking and talking. You're the man, you're the woman that's actually listening. So when you ask a question, you stick around long enough for an answer. And then you don't try to one-up them. You just say, hey, that's, that's amazing. Can I ask you another question? Can I just listen to how you'd answer it? You seek to understand. There's so many ways that we can become students, but the point is we become students of the people and the culture around us so that we can learn to know them, learn to love them, learn to embrace them. And our heart's desire is that God would use us to win them, that they'd see something in us, real and genuine. And they'd say, hey, what's so different about you? What's so different about you? Be a servant to all people. Become a student to all people. It's hard to be a student. It's hard to be a student because we often like the position of teacher. Well, you just all sit down and listen to what I have to say. It's difficult to be a student, but that's if we want to win people, then let's be a student of people. And this is kind of the heart of what Paul's, the passage is, contextualization. I don't know if you've heard that word before, but basically Paul is trying to contextualize his, his ministry to win as many people as he possibly can. He's not compromising on the message or the mission, but he's contextualizing how he shares the message, how he shares the mission, depending on who he's with. And just so you know, we will do that at Genesis, and we've been doing that for the past three years. There's been so much that's changed around here because our heart's desire is we just want to win people. And if we got to change the music, we'll change the music. If that means we're going to win more people with a different style of music, so be it. If it means we got to turn something down, turn something up, or just rearrange, we'll do it. 
They're going to die in the hill of preference of what something looks like or doesn't look like or sound like or doesn't sound like. I don't care. I just want to win people. Servants to all. Secondly, that we would be uh, students to all people as well. And then lastly, I'll just finish with this. Um, I love how Paul finishes. I haven't read these verses yet, but they're great verses. Uh, The last three verses here in chapter 9 of this section Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. I think we have, it's 1 Corinthians 9, uh, starting at verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. You may not have known this, but you're in a race. And the race is called your life. Do you know that you're running a race? But more importantly, what kind of race are you running? What kind of race are you running right now? Are you just running in all sorts of different directions and kind of jumping from this to that to... Or is the race that you're running, is it marked out by, I've got purpose, I've got passion, I've got conviction... I know the race that God's called me to run, relationship with him, and then just be used by God to win people. So the third thing is, how do I be that person that is used by God to win other people for God? Servant to all, student to all, and then I'd put this, be single-minded to all people, or be single-minded in all that you do. And this is, I'll go on reading verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Listen to verse 26. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. It's a great picture of Paul's, I'm not running around like a a chicken with my head cut off. I actually have direction in my life. I've got an aim. I'm not the boxer who's just shadow boxing. I'm not just kind of punching and hoping a, a punch eventually lands. I'm not not the runner who's just kind of running in circles. I love what Paul says. I am single-minded in this race that God's called me to run. And by the way, it's the race he's called all of us to run. It's a race we want to run with great passion and conviction and even great urgency. And he's using this language of a runner and a fighter, this boxer, because he wants us to get this imagery of if you're an athlete, you go into strict training. You take care of yourself. You don't let yourself go. If you're going to be one who is used by God to win other people for God, you don't become, spiritually speaking, lazy. You fight for spiritual growth. You spend time with God in prayer. You spend time with God in His Word. You spend time with the other people of God in community. So when it comes time for you to say, you know what? It's Wednesday night, I got a community group, I'm tired, it's been a long day, I'm just going to go home and go to bed. No, you say, no, I can't do that. I need community, my community needs me. I go, why? Because it's part of my training. And so if you say, you know what, I'm, I'm the one who gets up at 6 a.m. because I just want to spend time with God and the clock goes off, and you're like, you know, I just was up late watching reruns or watching the Celtics and I'm just going to sleep in this. That's not you, because you're the person who says, you know what? I said I'm going to spend time with God because I want to get trained up in God so I can be used by God. I'm getting my butt out of bed. 
Why? Because you want to be used by God to win people for God. And that takes a person who's willing just to be disciplined. Servant to all, student to all, and you're just single-minded. If we can uh, put up again verse uh, 25. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Run in such a way where your relationship with God is just growing, flourishing, and you're seeing the activity of God. God's using you, working through you to win other people to God. That's your testimony. Man, I can't wait. I, I, I pray that when I meet God face to say, face, Michael, you ran well. You didn't run aimlessly. Michael, you ran well. And I'm not running in such a way in order to earn something from God. I've already gotten the prize, and the prize is God himself. I'm running in such a way to reflect the prize that I've already gotten in God. And the prize just continues to go, and when I get to be part of and see God use me to win other people to God. And that is so God's desire for you, relationship with you, and that God would use you to win other people to God. Finish by asking uh, two questions. Who do you want to win? Who do you want to win? Are there some folks in your life right now? It could be someone in your family, a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, uncle, aunt, someone in your family. It could be someone you work with. Could be just someone that you you work out with. Could be a next door neighbor. Who is it that you want to see God use you to win for Him? Have that person, those people in mind so that you can be serving them, that you can be a student of them, learning them. And being single minded means I'm praying for them. Who is it that you want to see God use you to win? We as a church are asking desperately that God would use us by his grace, to reach 500 people. You know how many people that is? That's 500. That's a lot. But I'm so excited to have a testimony at the end of this year that we got to see God at work in our midst. Lives got changed. Lives got changed, eternally speaking. And then last question, finished with this. Is there anything happening in your life right now that's just preventing you getting in the way of you being used by God to win other people to God. I think a lie that we often believe is, I can't be used by God until I get my life together. I can't be used by God until I know a little bit more. And that's just a lie. If you know Jesus, you know enough, and Jesus wants you to use you to win others. But there are things in our life, namely sin, that just hinder us being used by God to win people for God. And so as we'd spend some time in worship, in prayer, getting ready to celebrate communion, if there's something in your life that's holding you back, bless you, preventing you from being used by God to win people for God, put a name on that. And then just spend time say, God, it's this. I repent of this. I don't want this anymore. I'm tired of messing around with this behavior, this pattern, this attitude. I don't want that. God, forgive me of that. And God, give me the grace in your spirit that I need to just live free from that so I can be used by you to win people for you. I'm going to pray, and um, as I'm praying, uh, just use this time 
to respond to God. I just believe God's been speaking to you. And again, two things, relationship with God. Do you have that? If you don't, today's your day. Today's the day you begin. Today's the day you say, you know, enough of this self-salvation, enough of this poor or this performance, jumping through hoops. Today's the day that I just say Jesus and Jesus is enough. That's it. And you say that prayer, Jesus, I want you. I want you. I place my faith in you. Life, death, resurrection, it's all on you, Jesus. And for those who have made that decision, if there is something that's holding you back, name it, confess it, repent of it, and say, Jesus, I want to be used by you to win people. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for an opportunity to gather on this day, in this place, in this moment, in this time. God, I just believe that you are a big God and you've been speaking to each of us. God, I pray right now that we'd respond to you. God, that we would not shut down. God, if you've said something to us, if you've spoken something specifically to our heart about something we just need to repent of, I pray we do it. God, if there's someone here today that just does not have a relationship with you, it was a relationship based on works. God, I pray today is the day they would say, Jesus. I pray that today is the day they turn to Jesus. God, please use us. Use this church to win people for you. To win people for you. Jesus, thanks so much that you want a relationship with us and made it possible. We celebrate communion now, Jesus, to remember, to give thanks to you for what you have done to make relationship with, with God the Father possible. And Jesus, we just pray that you would release us to be used by you to win people for you. We pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. As you're ready, come and celebrate uh, communion uh, today. If you're a Christian, it's a time just to come and give thanks. Come, and, uh, come forward, take a piece of the bread, dip it in the wine or juice, and say, Jesus, thanks for dying for me, for forgiving my sins. Make me the man, woman, that you want me to be. And if there's something going on right now that you just would love some prayer for, if you've got some questions, uh, I've got Paul Fleming, just a phenomenal elder, and Jeremy Alexander, phenomenal elder, who would just love to talk with you, to pray with you, to answer any questions you have. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, come talk to one of these guys and let them walk with you uh, through making that step. As you're ready, come forward.